Three, two, one. That was definitely not <laughs> both of us at the same time. Let's try that again. Welcome to Stargazing, a Stargate gazing podcast. I'm your host, Kathy. And I'm your other host, Mary. And each week we discuss an episode of Stargate beginning with Stargate SG-1. Hi. How are you today? Uh, I'm doing okay. I tried to be millennial-ish today and Ooh. make avocado toast for breakfast. Oh, nice. That's the reason why nobody can buy a house, I hear. Um, in my personal experience, that is not why I can't buy a house. I don't. <laughs> have never actually eaten avocado toast and still can't get a house anyway. So <laughs> here we yeah, are. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I, I tried and I, so, okay. My toaster oven is my favorite appliance outside of like refrigerator and my dishwasher. That's fair. Those are both great. Yeah. But when I moved the rack that goes in the toaster oven ended up somewhere else than the toaster oven. Oh, and I have neglected in these many months to actually go find it. So I've not <laughs> used my toaster oven. Fair. My brother has been broiling toast. So I thought, I've done that. Hmm, I'll try that. The problem is, is that I forgot about it. And oh, no. set the toast on fire in my oven. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, that's that's bad. It was not great. So at least I was still standing. I didn't walk away. I was in the kitchen doing stuff. So I'm like, huh, it's smoking. Ah, oh, crap. That sucks. Well, that's good that you were right there, though. <laughs> yeah. So I turned it off and, you know, got it out of the oven and threw it in the sink and poured water all over it. <laughs> but I didn't want to try again. So instead, I had avocado bread. Fair. So <laughs> that's fair. I do like avocados. Me too. They're not good for the environment, which is why I've mostly stopped <sighs> buying. I know everything is the worst because everything yeah. that I enjoy is bad for the environment or getting it here is bad for the environment or yeah, whatever. And I try to be a responsible yeah. global citizen and everything is the worst. That's why I don't drink almond milk. <laughs> and Yeah, I don't do almond milk anymore because almonds are terrible for the environment and you just can't not buy plastic like no matter how hard i've tried to reduce oh, yeah. my plastic usage my one-time plastic usage like it's just not possible you everything is packaged in plastic and everything is made of plastic and no matter how hard you try to not buy plastic everything involves plastic it's hard yeah so i just try to do it as little as possible and this is the first time i've bought avocados in like over a year or so <laughs> yeah i can't say i don't buy them anymore at all i will buy them on very rare occasions because yeah. I like them so much and they are very healthy for you, but yeah. it's mostly like the shipping to get them here is just ah. awful. Yeah. I know. I have yeah. eaten a lot more guacamole, but I haven't bought whole avocados. That so doesn't matter, but <laughs> guacamole is also so delicious. Yeah. So the other thing that I did mm -hmm. is that I got Concord grapes in my CSA this week. Ooh. So I made them into, it basically tastes like a grape jelly pie. It's that pretty is great. Weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but tasty. I like grape jelly and I like pie. I'd probably like it, but it yeah. has never occurred to me to try to make a pie out of grapes. I also forgot to put sugar in the filling. <laughs> so it's a tart grape jelly pie. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you do you peel the grapes first? Because when I've made pies, 
I have only made apple pie and pumpkin pie, and pumpkin pie like the, obviously does not come with skin on it. But you have to peel the apples. Did you peel the grapes? I yeah, they popped okay. right out of their skins. But then I put them after I cooked the insides and like tried to get all the seeds out. I added the skins back in so that it's still you know grape jelly colored instead hmm. of like not instead yeah. of like vomit colored or whatever yeah. color you have left when you take the beautiful purple skins off yeah. <laughs> fair yeah so those are that's what i've been doing how about you how's your day going my day well, my day is fine we uh we went and celebrated jeff's dad's birthday with him today Aww. so that was nice always good times with with uh, the extended family over there what else did i do today i watched the episode yeah, that's pretty much it. I have not done a lot today. We did go drink some good beer at Counterweight. That was nice. Nice. That's good stuff. Yeah. And that's pretty much the extent of my day. Yay. Yeah. We only just recorded our last episode a few days ago, so I don't have yeah. all that much to report today. The week has seemed to settle down at least a little bit now that I've gotten on top of terrified emails from all the students. <laughs> And also fixed all of the things that were so very wrong with what the previous instructor had done. Like things are mostly settling down with that course that was causing so much chaos last week. So, <laughs> so yeah, evening out. I still have a shit ton of grading to do, but I did at least give myself Saturday and Sunday, today being Sunday, to not do any grading. I've been responding to nice. emails, but I have not been doing any grading because I just needed a break. Yeah. So that's been my my last few days. Woo! Yeah. You know who else could probably use a break? <laughs> Who's that? Everyone on SG1, I am guessing, could probably use a break. That's a really lame probably. segue. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I finally got my invite from Zencaster, just FYI. Oh, that is super helpful. <laughs> Super helpful. Yeah. One of them anyway. <laughs> Not to knock any platforms, but our regular recording platform has sadly been in very badly impacted by the hurricane, I guess, which is, I guess, was worse than I realized because I don't read news very much. I'm going to go donate to Red Cross on behalf of the people that were impacted by the hurricane first. And then also, if our podcast today sounds a little worse than usual, it is because we are using a platform that I don't think is as good as our normal platform since our normal platform is currently down. Also, I hope none of you have had any issues with downloading our episodes because that might also be a thing since not only is their recording studio or their recording software down, but their hosting software and editing software, which I don't use their editing software, but their recording software and their hosting software, everything all down so um if you can't download our episodes this time not my fault last time my fault this time not my fault that's my fun story i i like the fun story oh thank you but you know there are worse problems to have than not being able to record your podcast on your platform of choice such as you know getting caught in a hurricane or being killed by a staff weapon <laughs> Speaking of being killed by staff weapons, Kathy. Uh, yes. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about Stargate SG One Season Five. Whoa. Season Five. Season Five of Ten. Holy Hannah. Holy Hannah. We're not officially halfway, I guess, until we're done with this season, but we're we're coming up on it. We are. So, Season Five, Episode One: Enemies. Hmm. 
they could have called it frenemies too they could have called it fr- that would have actually been an even better <laughs> i think this was before that term had been uh right. made popular Speaking- <laughs> Speaking of missed opportunities, I really feel like the people that made Bear and Breakfast should have called it Bear B and B. I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. I really you feel like right. that would have been a better name, and in my brain that game is forever going to be Bear B and B instead of Bear and Breakfast. I gotta I gotta play that some more. I was back on the do this weekend, so Oh fair. I was playing it in bed last night on my Switch when I should have been sleeping instead, but no, nice. I had to I had to make some nice beds for other people to sleep in virtually instead of yeah actually sleeping in my own bed. Of course. Yeah. Shall I start with my recap of the episode? Please do. The episode begins with a recap. And here is my recap of the recap. Hurtling Stargate. The stolen mothership is under attack. Tilk goes rogue. Jack and Tilk are so going in. A super ultra mothership. What? Oh no, Tilk's dead. Wow, they are really good at predicting the timing of a supernova. I don't know how that's possible. Hyperdrive engaged. Oh no, they've been flung millions of miles, millions of light years even, off course. Curse that meddling caretaker. Uh-oh, Apophis is here too. <laughs> Thus ends the recap. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> My dramatic reading of the recap. It is amazing. Thank you. Oh no, Apophis, he's <laughs> arming weapons. <laughs> Yes. Unfortunately, the team has no way of escaping and no shields. And even if they had shields, Apophis could just shoot through them anyway. Things aren't great. Daniel suggests perhaps communicating to, I don't know, ask them not to kill them. (laughs) Jacob puts on his hagfish voice. I thought that this was funny because we see Jacob's shoulders like just kind of slump and he looks down and I couldn't tell if he was that was like an expression of exasperation or if that was just because he was letting Selmac take over like exasperation with Daniel specifically. <laughs> Maybe both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was good, though. I liked it. Yeah. Selmac says hi. <laughs> Calls himself the commander, which Jack takes issue with. Which I thought was weird because Jacob is technically a higher rank than Jack, which got me to wondering if they ever actually officially retired him from his military position. That's true. But then even if they had, you retain your rank, I think. Yeah, I mean, I assume that he's out of the, he's still retired because, or he is retired because, I don't know, I feel like that would be like some kind of conflict of interest. I don't know. Anyway, he already has conflicts of interest anyway. His daughter is on this mission. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But still, though, he was higher rank than Jack whenever it was that he retired. So if he's now back in action, he should be the commander of this vessel. Yeah. But Jack, you know, Jack's like, it's my ship. Anyway, Jacob's like, how about we don't bigger about this? This is weird. (laughs) You're weird. He didn't say that. Anyway, Apophis has decided that this is not the time for talking, but the time for them to all die. Hmm. He doesn't care that they have been blown way off course and does not need anything from them, he says. So he's just going to kill them. Even after Daniel's like, we should try surrendering. Apophis doesn't care. He's ready to kill him. And then that's basically where we hit credits. Pretty much, yeah. Which were, again, the panning over of the face... Egyptian face rather than the clip 
clip show stuff. Oh, I didn't even watch. I should have watched. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's weird. Yeah. But they're back to that. I feel like they get rid of it for good eventually, but I apparently think so. not yet. Weird. Weird. All right. Yeah, how they make that decision when they're going to do that. When the, Yeah, when they're going to do that versus the clip show version. That's strange. Especially this far in. I really thought they would have gotten rid of it by now. <laughs> maybe maybe they're just using it as a placeholder while they update clips or something. I guess. Because they're, like, they're really getting away from the Egyptian aesthetic, or at least starting to really get away from it. Like Apophis, Ugh, I noticed, was, yeah. use, was definitely like still all flamey red everything yep rather than egyptian stuff so so yeah so yeah Mm -hmm. so he's really leaning into sokar's scheme designs design aesthetic rather than uh, his own former design plans anyway after the credits they're wondering why apophis has not yet fired on him and then eventually the ship does fire a few blasts but completely misses them they don't really know what happened, and then Jacob says that he picked up another ship coming in fast and firing on Apophis's ship. They don't really know why that's happening, but they're going to take advantage to get the hell out of there as soon as possible. Jacob says that the ship is unlike anything that he has ever seen before. He doesn't recognize it at all, and they figure it must be because they're in a completely uncharted part of the universe, at least according to them. Like, whoever is currently there firing on them has probably charted it before. Probably. But, you know, <laughs> whatever. They're wondering why it only fired on Apophis instead of them, and they figure that probably it's because Apophis has a bigger ship and so was therefore more of a threat. Which brings me to my sure. science facts for the day which actually has nothing to do with this episode but reminded me of a story that i heard about in a podcast the other day apparently humpback whales have been seen protecting smaller animals from killer whales which is what reminded me of this because in this scenario the ship that's coming up to fire on apophis is the humpback whale and apophis is the killer whale and then sg1 and their ship is just you know the seal or whatever that they're saving from it so super interesting because like they've even seen humpback whales like pulling seals out of the water to get them out of reach of killer whales which is just bizarre yeah it's crazy amazing and so there's been a lot of debate over what could be the reason for this like is it just pure altruism but there's no evolutionary there's no real evolutionary advantage to true altruism so everyone thinks biologists anyway think that it's probably not just that and i was actually as fascinated as i was by this story the hypothesis that the people that were talking about it came up with was that the humpback whales thought that maybe these seals or maybe the other like baby whales of other species that they've been seen to protect, maybe these humpback whales didn't realize that those animals weren't their own babies. And so we're just trying to protect them just in case those animals happened to be their babies. Oh, I didn't like that hypothesis because okay. I think that it underestimates the intelligence of humpback whales because cetaceans are super smart. And granted, we know way more about the intelligence of toothed whales like killer whales and belugas and dolphins. But my hypothesis based on that is that they are specifically trying to starve out the killer whales so that the killer whales will no longer pose a threat to the humpback's actual offspring. I don't think the humpbacks think that the seals and the other baby whales might be theirs. I think that they're just trying to keep the killer whales from eating anything. So that the killer whales will be prompted to leave the areas where the humpback whales are. Huh. Not being a whale biologist, I have no proof or uh, no no evidence yeah. for that. But anyway, fun science because I thought it was fascinating to learn even that that's a thing that humpback whales do, regardless of why you think they might be doing it. 
Yeah. 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 Fascinating. Biology is fascinating. For sure. Thus ends my science corner that really has nothing to do with the episode, but this scene <laughs> tangentially reminded me of this thing yeah. that I thought was worth mentioning. Hell yeah. And I'm hoping that no one else is bored by that. <laughs> I doubt it. Anyway, continue. Weren't you continuing? Was I continuing? Maybe I was. I, th- I thought so. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to the scene. They're trying to flee while the other ship is attacking Apophis's ship, but they've only got sublight engines because they're... Other engines got fried and whatever chaos was happening when they got thrown away from the explosion and then pulled out of hyperspace. Jacob is going to go and try to hide on the far side of this blue giant sun somewhere in the coronasphere and hope that the radiation of the sun will prevent anyone else from finding them and hope that the radiation doesn't kill them first. (laughs) He specifically says the ship's hull will protect us. For a while. <laughs> so they go there. They do. Jacob lets everyone know that they're not going to show up on anyone else's sensors. However, that means that they are blind as well. When they leave, no one's going to be able to tell if anything's out there. He also lets them know they have about an hour that they can stay there if they don't get their full shields back. And <laughs> 10 hours if they do. He's going to have Sam go with him to help out with getting those shields back online that's a good plan yeah in the engine room jacob and sam are trying to fix the shields and then they fix the shields (laughs) (laughs) that's that scene pretty much yeah then they move on to the hyperdrive which they can't fix because the crystals have been blown out again and they've already used all of their spares so there's nothing they can do about that oh dear Mm -hmm. meanwhile Daniel and Jack are hanging out by Cronus' throne. Jack's laying down and Daniel's just sitting. Can it be Cronus' Thronus? Thronus, yes. (laughs) Okay, thank you. On the (laughs) Thronus. Daniel asks Jack if he wants to talk about Vorash. And Jack says, not really. But then he does go on to say that... They were ambushed and Tilk got shot in the back and he should have seen it coming. But Daniel's like, well, this is the point of the ambush is that you don't see it coming. It's a pretty good point. <laughs> I know. Daniel tries to comfort him that you did your best. But Jack's like, not good enough. Womp womp. We finally make it back to Earth. Yeah. The Tokra are coming through. Basically just to deliver the bad news that they're pretty sure that SG-1 is dead. They've been monitoring signals from the area where the entire battle was and everything was happening in the last episode. And they did notice that there were a couple anomalies that may have been a ship or possibly two escaping the area. But the Tokra were really not convinced that anybody could have actually made it away before the explosion happened. And there was also a pod, one single pod that was big enough for one person that escaped into gold-controlled territory. And then they stopped following it after that. Who do we think that is? Yeah, I don't know. Because initially, so spoiler alert, initially I thought it was Teal'c. We later learned that that was definitely not Teal'c. Then I thought maybe it was Apophis. Like, they hypothesized it was probably Apophis. But then we later learned it wasn't him either. So 
I don't have any idea what that could have been. They apophysize. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Absolutely. I was thinking it was what's his face, maybe. Maybe we need to have another what's chance for Tilk to kill him. Um I have no idea. <laughs> what the hell's that guy's name? He was in the last episode. Vigo? The... Not Cronus? Vigo. Not Cronus. The the Tokra spy. Oh, um, not Thanos. The universe required correction. <laughs> Thanos. <laughs> what was it? Thanos, very different storyline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was his name? Thanos. You're much more of a Thanos. I can't even, I can't believe my brain just like totally blanked on that man, <laughs> on that character's name. But here we are. So maybe it was Thanos because Teal'c needs another Or maybe Thanos is here. Who knows? Or Thanos. I mean... <laughs> Stargate might be responsible for the whole MCU. The whole snap the finger thing. Right, exactly. Yeah. They continue to talk about the fact that there's been no communication from SG-1. And so if SG-1 had, in fact, escaped the explosion, they should have been in touch with Earth by now. If anyone that was on their side had escaped, they should have been in touch by now. So probably nobody, Tok'ra, SG-1, anybody that may have been on their side on Apophis's ship or in that area could have survived this. Everyone's dead. But Hammond, being Hammond, says, no, I don't I don't think you're right. I can't believe what I'm hearing. I'm going to keep holding out hope. SG-1 has a really good habit of beating the odds. He's not wrong. Yeah. No, he's not. Yeah. The Toker do say that they've already, they're already officially considering Selmak a fallen war hero. And Hammond's like, no, you're still wrong. <laughs> I appreciate Hammond's faith in SG-1. Me too. And it's obviously not misplaced. No. Because they have survived. and they're... They have. They're alive, even if it might take them 125 years to get back. They're still yeah. alive. Yes. Sam and Jacob are continuing to work on whatever panels of crystals that they have in that ship. But Jacob is not hopeful that they're going to be able to fix anything. Sam points out that they are running out of time, which I think means they've been there for almost 10 hours. That was my guess, too, because, yeah, Jack's complaining that it's getting hot. So that was yeah. my assumption, too. Meanwhile, Daniel and Jack are flicking a ball back and forth between them. <laughs> Where did they get the ball? <laughs> I don't know. I'm assuming that Jack just carries one because whenever he's <laughs> bored, he just has one. Fair. <laughs> he must just keep one in his pack or something. Yeah. <laughs> Sam and Jacob rejoin them up in the, I don't know what, bridge area of the ship. Yeah, the Peltec. The Peltec, yeah. As we've learned recently. Yeah. They were unsuccessful in fixing the hyperdrive. And Daniel's like, well, I thought you said it was going to take over 100 years to get back, even if we had it. So what difference does this make in the long term? <laughs> Jacob says in the short term, at least, it's going to be hard to avoid enemy ships, even though they do still have weapons and shields at the moment. They have to leave now the the safety of the blue giant before it becomes the unsafety of the blue giant. <laughs> I don't yes. know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they head out, their sensors come back, and Apophis's ship is still there but it is the only ship out there it doesn't seem to be moving i also thought it was hilarious that it was at a crooked angle 
I didn't notice. <laughs> because anytime that space travel is portrayed, like they always show all space vessels of all sides in any, you know, regardless of whether or not they're on the same side or in battle or whatever, they're almost always portrayed as like traveling on the same plane. And then whenever a ship is being portrayed as derelict or damaged and abandoned, they will often show it pictured <laughs> as like hanging in space at an angle compared to the ships that are moving and still, you know, still functioning properly. Yeah. As if there's like one specific <laughs> plane of travel in space. Like that's not a thing. Just because a ship was at angle in space would not mean it's broken. But that's how TV always decides to portray it anyway. I literally was laughing out loud when I saw that. There's an unspoken standard plane of existence, okay? Apparently so. In space. I know. Apparently <laughs> so. The ship's not moving and they also discover there are no life signs on the ship. So Something not good happened. Mm. They go to take a closer look. They do. <laughs> yeah. They ring over there. And there are just so many open flames on this spaceship. That seems like a bad idea. <laughs> you don't want fire on your spaceship. Generally is my understanding, but that's not how Apophis rolls. So <laughs> all kinds of open flames everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Just so many braziers. The self-destruct has apparently been set, so they've got all of four minutes. They're not just checking stuff out, but they're specifically trying to find replacement crystals to get their hyperdrive working again. Sam and Jack head off to go and try to find those crystals, and Jacob goes off to... I don't even know what he's planning on doing. He goes off in another direction to, I guess, explore. My assumption was he was going to try to turn off the self-destruct in case okay. they could salvage the ship. Oh, that's fair. Okay, that makes sense. Because it's bigger. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. Sam leads the way. Jack is wondering how she even knows where they're going. She's like, oh, I just studied the specs. And Jack's like, oh, well, you really know how to have a good time, don't you? And Sam's like, I am having a good time. <laughs> Jack's pretty impressed by that. You go, girl. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Suddenly, there's a whole bunch of dead Jaffa in the hallway. So that's ominous. And then we hear a very familiar sound. A very familiar metallic mechanical type of sound. And that mechanical type of sound is a replicator climbing on the wall. Uh oh. Yeah. And you, of course, know where there's one replicator, there are many, many, many more. <laughs> so Jack radios over to Jacob and gives him a warning we need to get out of here. But Jacob already knows. <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> That is just so many replicators that, so many replicators. <laughs> that are over there where Jacob is. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, the yeah, the bridge of the ship, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. Daniel randomly decides to radio over and ask what's going on at that very mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. Almost like it was plot perfect timing. Yeah, yeah. Almost. Sam lets him know the very exciting news. <laughs> Jacob also lets Sam know he cannot turn off the auto-destruct, so they all need to get back to the ring room in three minutes before it explodes. It was a very long minute if it was four yeah. minutes when they got there and we're only just at three minutes now. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> and he also informs Daniel that he is in charge of flying them out of there when they get back on board. And Daniel is very excited to hear that. <laughs> sure i'd say excited so much as dismayed <laughs> i like that for a good half of this episode too 
all Michael Shanks had to do was sit in the same like set and just make different reaction faces and do different things. Like, yeah, he, he was not in the action for quite a while. <laughs> he wasn't, but I actually thought this was a pretty good Michael Shanks episode. Probably for first sure. because there wasn't a lot of him, and what little of him there was was mostly like just great reactions to things that were happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only does do good reaction face. So he absolutely does. Yeah. yeah. Jacob runs to the ring room. He notices that Sam and Jack are not there yet, but Sam and Jack are on the way. Sam tells him to activate the rings, and they make it there just in time. They ring over to the other ship, and as soon as they're in the other ship, they yell at Daniel to go, 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 go. Must go faster. Go, 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 go. Daniel apparently has learned how to fly all of a sudden. (laughs) We don't hear Jacob tell him how to fly the ship, but I guess he must have. So they're on their way. And back on Cronus's ship, they're continuing to run back to the bridge. I noticed that Jacob runs really weird. (laughs) (laughs) As a runner and former personal trainer, Jacob runs weird. And I hate to, I hesitate to say he runs like a girl, but because, you know, running like a girl, that's a garbage stereotype. But he does flail his arms around in the way that if someone says someone's running like a girl, it is stereotypical of that. Although, you know, I hate that stereotype, but (laughs) if I use it, everyone knows what I mean. (laughs) He's not he's not using his uh, his uh, his body efficiently. there. No, he is not using his arms, pumping his arms in an energy efficient manner. He is just letting them flail around. And it's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anyone who can do a pumpy arm run? Oh, Tom Cruise. Jacob takes control of the Peltac when he gets there, but he shouts, we're not going to make it. And <laughs> Daniel's like, I'm going as fast as we can. I like when Daniel just puts his hands up and backs away when Jacob gets to the Peltac. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, nope, not mine anymore. Is all you, <laughs> all you, Jacob. Yeah, so it's pretty great. Apophis's ship explodes. At that exact time, they completely shut down the engines on the former Kronos ship so that they can put all of the power to full shields, and they just barely survive the explosion. The ship stops, the shields go up just in time, and they're okay. Jacob's like, wow, that was close. And Jack, (laughs) of course, takes a second to be like, what the fuck, dude? You said we're not going to make it. Pretty sure we made it. (laughs) why is that a thing that happened and i thought it was kind of stupid for jack to be like standing there arguing semantics but i think it was more the fact that he was arguing that jacob scared the crap out of him by saying we're not going to make it when they did make it rather than jack being like i told you know and i I don't think it was jack arguing about like who's right so much as jack being like why just scare us all for nothing yeah but it also gives us this great moment right after where Jacob apologizes for overreacting. Yeah. And he didn't want to blow his la- the last chance he might ever have to be right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty and, funny. And then Sam's like, welcome to my life. <laughs> yeah. Because Jack's just like staring at him like, and literally says, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of nice that, you know, obviously it's not nice, but like, yeah. it's good that there's still remnants of the original Jacob Carter yes. Sam conflict in there. I appreciate that. Yeah. That there's still some of that dynamic there. Like we know that the former Jacob is not completely gone because of Selmec. There's like there's still his original personality in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Jacob 
and Sam have gone to replace the crystals that were burned out with mm-hmm. the crystals they got from the big ship. They fixed the hyperdrive. They do. But Daniel radios them. He says, <laughs> in a weird way, he's like, engine <laughs> he room. This is Peltac engine room. Come in. <laughs> it was very funny. It <laughs> really was. Especially when Jacob's like, I think we left him in charge too often. <laughs> no. Specifically says, I think we left him in charge once too often. <laughs> but Daniel is radioing with an important thing, which is that <laughs> there's a ship on sensors. That's probably not good. Yeah. Jacob and Sam head back to the bridge and they see it is a gold cargo ship. He tries to contact them. There's no answer initially. He tries again identifying himself. He and Jack continue to have weird semantic arguments about who's in command (laughs) in the middle of this. Yeah. And then on screen we see Teal'c. Yay! Yay, Tilk! Woo! And they're very happy to see him, obviously. As was I. Yes, me too. Even though I knew he wasn't dead, I was still happy to see him again anyway. Yeah, yeah. Tilk Tilk makes the makes the show. I'm always happy to see Tilk. Even yeah. if it's just a regular episode and it's Tilk, I'm like, yay, it's Tilk. Exactly. Yeah. He lets them know that he had been revived by Apophis in the sarcophagus, and he and some friendly Jaffa were able to escape in this cargo ship. They welcome him with open cargo bay doors. <laughs> so they let what the ship do? land. Tilk, I I do want to say in this, I mean, obviously he was on a screen, but he did, his demeanor did seem kind of subdued in a way yeah. that it isn't normally. Right. And that's extra weird because anytime that we've seen somebody revived by a sarcophagus before, they've pretty much immediately gone back to their normal selves after. So, yeah, for sure seems suspicious that he was as out of it as he seemed. Yeah. On this screen. Everybody, except for Jacob, who's still flying the ship, goes down to meet Teal'c. And they're like, yay, it's Teal'c. They're as excited as Kathy and I are that it's (laughs) Teal'c, except that then... Tilk pulls a weapon on all of them, as do all of the Jaffa, and unfortunately, SG three quarters is outnumbered by Tilk and his Jaffa, so that sucks. And yeah. then Apophis comes out. Peek-a-boo. Surprise! Apophis isn't dead. Yay! <laughs> and he tells he tells Tilk, "Well done." And Tilk has apparently now resumed his rightful position as Apophis's first prime. So, oops, oops, that's not good. That's not good. Tilk leads them by gunpoint to some random room that's empty. And Jack's like, okay, Tilk, what's the plan here? But there is no plan but for Tilk to then hit him in the face. <laughs> like backhand him in the face. It was yeah. another time that I literally laughed out loud watching this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> They're starting to get the idea that Tilk's not just going along with this in order to help them out. Yep. Tilk says he's never ceased to be in the service of his god. Which Jack says is a little brainwashy. Yeah. Just a bit. Yeah. Like, there's no way that Tilk actually believed that this entire time. Everybody knows that. No. But Tilk, he's like, 
I pretended to be your friends. I saved your life. I went, I wish you, I could watch you die. <laughs> and again, we all yeah. know that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Jack is pushing back on this hard because yeah. he's, yeah, he's having an issue with this. It was yet, it was both cute and sad when Jack's like, it hurts, hurts me, me that, that you say that. that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's okay because okay. I, I know it's not true. true. Yeah. Jack goes through all the things they've done together and all of the harm they've caused to Apophis even specifically. None of that sways Tilk because he says he knew he Apophis would be reborn more powerful than ever. And then Daniel's like, remember when Apophis brainwashed Ryak? Tilk just turns around and leaves at that yeah. point. Remember when you shot your son? Yeah. That was good times, <laughs> yeah. right? No. They're not in a good situation because Tilk's not on their side. Nope. And they're locked in this room. Yeah. And now they just start moving stuff off the cargo ship into a different storage area. That's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Very. Yeah. There's some crates and also the sarcophagus. Why they can't just stay on the cargo vessel where they are in that storage bay, I don't know. But they need to be moved to a different storage bay. (laughs) So that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Meanwhile, Jack asks Sam to try to get this panel in the wall working because it looks like it probably has the controls to the door in it. <laughs> Sam's like, well, that'd be really <laughs> stupid of them to lock us in here if it controlled the door, wouldn't it? <laughs> Jack just looks at her. <laughs> and then she remembers, you know, kind of her place. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll give it a shot, sir. <laughs> So she does. She goes and pries the panel off the wall and sees if she can hotwire the thing to open the door. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Jaffa continue to move things from the cargo ship to the other ship, including some crate in which the top sort of starts to melt and cave in on itself. Hmm. I mean, clearly this is the arc, and the reason that that happened is because they didn't have any top men keeping an eye on it. That's true. Do you think the Ark was actually full of replicators? That's a good question. Maybe it was. That's what melted all their faces off, really. Right? But except that they were replicators that had moved beyond having to use metal and could use, like, dust and sand and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Must be. It definitely looked very Ark-like, which is why it reminded me of that. Yeah. I'm going to keep, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go with that. That's my yeah, new headcanon, yeah. that definitely there were replicators in the arc in that movie. For sure. Yep. Yeah. The next scene, they're moving a sarcophagus instead yes. of a crate. And that's that scene. The sarcophagus does not have a thing melting <laughs> through the top of it. No. But Jacob is also skulking. Jacob is skulking. They didn't manage to catch Jacob. It's only SG three quarters that are currently being held. Meanwhile, on the bridge, Apophis is disgusted by Cronus's Thronus. <laughs> I don't know why he hates it so much, but he does. But then he sits in it anyway. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a throne, so. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're apparently <laughs> heading for Delmac, which is the planet that's... Why can't I not remember his name? Sokar. Sokar. Okay. Which is, the pla- which is Sokar's home planet that Apophis, of course, has now taken over as his own, hence the whole hellscape aesthetic and apophis then tells people to go out and figure out where the hell selmac is gone they know he's there somewhere gotta be findable yeah yeah 
I do have to say that I did appreciate Tilk in his new uniform with yeah. the burnished red on the metal parts and the cape. He looked good in it. I thought it was very dashing, even though yeah. he was portraying a bad guy version of himself. Yeah. It was quite dashing. But yeah. So. Yeah. Woo. yeah. Back in their empty room, Sam's still fiddling with the panel on the wall, even though she has no idea what she's doing. <laughs> As she freely admits. Yeah. <laughs> Jack says, keep trying and you may get lucky. And so she continues to say, I don't think this is going to work. I've got zero chance. And then the door opens. <laughs> She's like, okay, maybe not zero. But of course, it wasn't her. It was Jacob opening yep. the door from the other side. And he's like, we got to get out of here. So they start to slowly collect themselves. And Teal'c and the Jaffa are uh, right there. They are. Which... Honestly, I feel like this was pretty obvious that they would try to catch Jacob freeing them. So maybe he could have been more stealthy. I was wondering how Jacob wouldn't realize they were there. But then I also remembered how many nooks and crannies we have observed in all of these hallways. True. So I was like, yeah, I guess there probably were like a million places in that one hall these people could have hidden. Yeah. Yeah. Tilk has them all now. They're all his prisoner. <laughs> wow. Yes. And he also lets Jack know the great news that when his hagfish matures, it will become a host in Jack. Yay! Yeah. Teal'c also, before he leaves, shoots out the panel that Sam was working on so she could no longer fiddle with that. That's inconvenient. And then he goes. Yeah. 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 Rude. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Back out in the hallway, some Jaffa pauses to ask Tilk, well, why does any of this matter? Because we're all going to die long before we get to Delmac anyway, if there's no symbiotes anywhere. And Tilk is completely incensed by this guy's lack of faith in Apophis. Yeah. And also says that, you know, their deaths don't matter anyway, because they're there to yeah. serve and will die with honor in Apophis's name. So that's fun. Yeah. And the Jaffa are kind of just like, uh... Yeah, they're like, what's this guy's doing? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, I, and then I was wondering, do you think they were thinking I liked you better as Shulva rather than first did prime? get that impression, yeah, because all of them had this expression like, just, yeah, this expression like, just fuck off, we don't want to die for him. Yeah. And then I was also wondering if they were also cranky and jealous at him because they all got bumped back a position in the hierarchy yeah. with Tilk taking back first prime. Right? Also a good point. Was one yeah. of these guys the former First Prime? Who knows? We don't find that out. Whoever they were, they weren't good enough for a gold tattoo. True. Very true. Yeah. Only Teal'c has the gold tattoo. On the bridge, Teal'c tells Apophis that all of the ship's systems are failing, so that would seem bad. They're not really quite sure why that would be at this point. Teal'c leaves to go and try to check that out. He takes a couple Jaffa down to the engine room, and holy crap, there's replicators everywhere. <laughs> Just Oops. all over everything. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I was confused how the replicators even got there. Like, obviously, they were in the thing that I was likening to the Ark before, but yeah. how did it get into that one cargo container? How did they not know that it was in that cargo container? It, it just, I just I don't had know. questions. Yeah. Why would it have been hiding in a cargo container Instead of just trying to take over the whole cargo ship on its own before anyway. It was weird to me. Don't know. Don't know. Yeah. But anyway, it's now out of control. 
It sure is. <laughs> There's a whole lot of them now. Yeah. And then a door inside the room that SG-1 is imprisoned in opens a little bit. It wasn't the same door that Jacob came in. It was one that goes up yeah. instead of like, but yeah, it opens a little bit. There's a little gap at the bottom now. And Jack's like, odd. <laughs> but of course, <laughs> yes. it's not good news. There's nope. a replicator. It comes inside. And Jack takes a peek outside and there are more replicators. I like that Jack's like, excuse me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going to go look at this thing. <laughs> yeah. So they know that that is trouble. Why would this one replicator have opened this door to come in? And why did no other replicators come in? I don't know. And also it just kept staring at Daniel. And I'm not sure what that was was about. Yeah. In that we got like replicator vision of Daniel is what I mean. Right. Well, we got replicator vision of both of them. Yeah. 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 But mostly Daniel. Yeah. Things like Daniel. Everything likes Daniel. Everything weird likes Daniel. Yeah. Sam says that it will not attack unless it's threatened. That's cool. But Daniel's like, maybe we should uh, go anyway. They all leave. Sam and Jack crawl out. Jacob rolls out under the door. And (laughs) Daniel slides onto his back and out the door. And I just enjoyed all of the different ways that they got to leave. Yes. (laughs) That's fair. Like, there was no need to roll or slide on your back, but here we are. No, but, you know, why not? Gotta have fun with your job, right? Absolutely. Yeah. On the bridge, Tilk returns and tells Apophis the bad news that the entire ship is swarming with replicators. Apophis wants to know how. Again, if he's a god, he should have known because he should have known everything. Tilk (laughs) says he's not sure, but they're in control of the engine room now, so that sucks. Obviously, Apophis wants them destroyed, but there is way too many of them and way too few Jaffa for that to be an option. Apophis is gonna take matters into his own hands. He goes off with some Jaffa to try to attack the replicators himself. But then when he realizes that Tilk was right, there are way too many replicators for them to be able to manage, he closes his Jaffa in with the replicators and flees on his own. And what a dick. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) He just leaves them all behind, screaming in agony as they're being attacked by the replicators. Leaves them to die. Yeah. Closes them in. We knew he was a dick. Yeah. So. (laughs) But still. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, the newly freed team has made it to their stored weapons and whatnot. Daniel notices the crate from which the first replicator came. (laughs) And I like that he makes a little, like, crawly gesture with his hand. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. That's it, was, pretty great. it was funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was taking notes at the time, so that's how I must have missed that. Sam says it's been 10 hours, so the replicators have had plenty of time to grow in numbers to a, a large amount. <laughs> yeah, unmanageably large, even. Yeah. yeah. They are going to try to make it to the cargo ship to get out of there, and hopefully the replicators have left it alone. Sam thinks there's a good chance they did, because... They would want to take care of the mothership first. And Daniel's like, well, we gotta take Teal'c with us. Jack's like, yes. He orders Jacob and Daniel to go take care of the cargo ship. And he and Sam are headed off to find Teal'c. Before they part, Jacob hands Jack a magic eight ball and asks if he knows how to use one. Yes, you shake it and ask yeah, it a question. exactly. And it tells you the universe says maybe. Yeah. Jack knows how to shake it. 
Yeah. He's ready. <laughs> yep. Tilk is heading down a hallway with some Jaffa. They're basically trying to cause a diversion to get Apophis to the cargo bay safely so that he can get to the cargo ship and escape, I'm guessing is the plan. And one of the Jaffa is like, if he's a god, why is he powerless against these <laughs> demon thingies? And Tilk, of course, calls him a blasphemer for saying anything like that and says he's going to kill him himself if the guy says anything like that again. The Jaffa continue to be skeptical since their weapons have no effect whatsoever on the replicators. But Tilk says that human weapons are still going to work, so they're going to a storage area where there are some human guns. But then Tilk hears a thing, and he holds up his hand, basically signaling for them to all halt. We see that Jack and Sam are waiting to ambush them. And there's a firefight. Jack rolls his magic eight ball down the hall. It stuns everybody. They exchange fire, and Jack yells a warning to Tilk that they've got to get off of this ship. ASAP. Jacob and Daniel make it to the cargo bay, meanwhile. They get inside, and Daniel's like, I have a dumb question. (laughs) Don't we need to open those big cargo bay doors? And Jacob's like, well, yes, we have access to do that. Hopefully it hasn't been overridden by the bugs. And Joe's like, uh, you don't want to check? <laughs> but Jacob says he does not want to tip them off. They That's are fair. just going to, I guess, at this point, wait for the others. Yeah. The others who are still in a firefight with Chilk and J- the Jaffa, wherever this is, some random hallway. Yeah. Sam tells Jack that they really need to get out of there. They managed to shoot the replicators enough to kind of get them away from themselves and so jack and tilk then unfortunately turn on each other jack obviously doesn't want to shoot tilk but tilk swings his staff weapon around and is about to shoot jack with it so jack shoots tilk first several bullets right into the chest yep jack is not pleased that he had to do that and really hopes that junior's gonna keep tilk from dying sam runs over and does confirm that he's got a pulse so he's not dead just yet so they pick him up and run. Yeah. <laughs> I like through this whole thing, too. You can hear the muffled sound of replicators, like, yeah. in the walls They're and stuff. literally it's, everywhere. Yeah. yeah. It's just... It's a good effect. Yeah. <laughs> Elsewhere on the ship, Apophis is trying to do something at the Peltac <laughs> when a replicator comes in and is like, hey, and then he sees there are many of them. <laughs> hey. Sup. Yep, that's not great for Apophis, but we don't care about Apophis. Nope. Jack (laughs) and Sam make it back to the cargo ship with Teal'c. Daniel says that he was worried that they weren't going to make it, but no, everything's fine. Everything's fine. (laughs) And then, inconveniently, the mothership jumps to hyperspeed, which means that they are not going to be able to open the cargo bay doors, as they had hoped, because those doors do not open in hyperspace. Dramatic music gets more dramatic! Sure does, because there is no escape for them now. So they all leave the cargo ship. They do, except for Teal'c, who's still unconscious, I guess. What do you think they've done with him? I think they tied him up. Okay. Or at least that's what Jack says they're going to do, so anyway. (laughs) I was wondering that. I'm like, did you just leave him? Like, you left Cronus? (laughs) You know, they, they, they tied him up. Okay. They figure out on some random panel somewhere in the ship that it is headed towards the last set of coordinates which was Sokar's planet 
they also notice that the ship is going faster than regular hyperspeed, like very fast, and it's increasing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's Sounds convenient. Like, yeah, it's not going to take them 125 years to get back to Earth. No, take that caretaker. Yeah. <laughs> Sam sounds pretty impressed when she's like, they can do almost anything, these replicators. I was like, yeah, yeah they can. <laughs> Jacob sounds a little skeptical and credulous, yeah. and Sam's like, no, it's true. Like, no, no, <laughs> they, they really can do can. anything. Yeah. Daniel wants to know, because we learned in the last replicator episode with the Asgard that they don't necessarily care about fast travel. But Sam says that's only when they're multiplying. And once they've hit their critical number, they can go forth and find new technology so they might do that faster they've set their sights back on their home galaxy which is good for them because they'll be able to get home but yeah. bad because they don't want the replicators taking over their galaxy even the asgard can't stop them mm-hmm. they need to figure out what they're going to do they sit and think about this they brainstorm and they talk about how they destroyed them on thor's ship and it was something about the deceleration drive, whatever that was. In this case, I guess they have sublight engines that slow them down on the gold ships. So they're going to try destroying those once they're out of hyperspace. And that will cause them to, like with the ship that crashed into Earth, will crash right into, was it Delmac? Yeah. The problem, though, is that they have to wait until they get out of hyperspace. They can't set charges in advance because the replicators might disarm them yes (laughs) so they're gonna have to go hang out in the engine room full of bugs and shoot the control crystals at close range when they get out of hyperspace and they have to hurry because the ship's almost there already (laughs) (laughs) gonna be tight yeah jacob's gonna go wait in the cargo ship and have their getaway car ready (laughs) <laughs> while the rest of them head off to deal with the sublight engine crystal destruction. Yeah. 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 Down in the engine room, SG three quarters arrives and holy crap, but that is just a like giant queen replicator yeah. thing there. <laughs> yeah. Huge massive replicators all merged into one replicator. So they figured that that's where the extra power for the extra speed is coming from. And they figure that they should probably be quiet so that they don't wake it up. Sam makes her way to the control panels. They open the thing up. They're waiting until exactly the right time to try to destroy it. The mothership drops out of hyperspace, continuing on its way towards Delmac. And then Jack opens fire on the control panel, which, of course wakes up the giant queen (laughs) replicator creepy ass pulsating giant worm thingy that's a good way to describe it yeah sure yeah yeah they all start to run because now there's like not queen replicators but still like mega replicators yeah and then also a bunch of normal sized replicators in addition to the mega replicators it's just a disaster yeah 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 i don't know Yep. We get a bunch of scenes <laughs> flashing back and forth between the ship heading towards Delmec and SG-3 quarters fleeing and firing on the replicators. Jacob is preparing to get the hell out of there. He's got 
the cargo bay doors open. The cargo ship is now aimed to leave as soon as possible. And he's like, guys, we gotta go. We gotta go. He radios them. But unfortunately, they are cut off. And she says, if we make it to the ring room on level two, can you ring us up remotely? He's going to try to do that, which he immediately does <laughs> with no further communication on whether or not they were actually there. So nope. good job, everybody. Right. And they were. They make it onto the ship. They're going to get out of there. But uh oh, the cargo bay doors are closing. <laughs> so they're going to try to zip through anyway. And they do. Woo. Woo. Skimming uh, the door on their way. Yeah. Just barely make it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> on the bridge. I just thought this scene was hilarious. <laughs> Agreed. Apophis is watching as the ship hurdles towards Delmac, and he's got his little personal force field up, and the replicators are just swarming his little personal force field, like orbiting him <laughs> as he's screaming. And just, I don't know why I found it so funny, but I, I just know. thought it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so they're just orbiting replicators going all around him and his personal yeah. force field and then we flash out a little bit further and see his ship crash into the planet so is he finally dead for good he's finally dead for good right he has to be right i, I think he really is this that time personal force field could not save him from yeah. this i don't see how that would yeah possible because we've seen that like some stuff can get through those so i would think that any bit of shrapnel or whatever from the explosion would yeah destroy him like you know even these replicators like shrapnel from a replicator being shoved through him as they're crashing <laughs> i would think would be able to, yeah he can't yeah. be alive he still cannot. right no yeah and maybe he's vaporized who knows yeah maybe he's vaporized yeah like, but yeah <laughs> So on the cargo ship, Jack's going to go check on Teal'c, who's just sitting in the hallway. I guess he's tied up. It's not obvious. No. But this transcript says he is. So, okay. Teal'c tells Jack that he can torture him, but he's not going to tell him anything. And Jack apologizes for having to shoot him, but didn't have much of a choice. And then he tells Teal'c that Apophis is dead. Teal'c stares at Jack for a second before saying that, eh, I won't believe you. And Jack says, trust me. And Tilk says, gods cannot be killed. And that is the end of the episode. That is the end of the episode. Ooh. Kathy. Yeah. Did you like this episode? I did. I did. I think there was like a good amount of action in it. It was also mm -hmm. pretty funny. And I, yeah, I enjoyed Daniel face. And <laughs> I, I really did. Like, it's just, I like that it's, so many interesting layers to this episode being called yeah. enemies because you've got obviously I, I didn't remember about the replicators at all I oh didn't. i didn't either i knew they came back but i couldn't remember when or how yeah and when i was thinking enemies i was like oh okay they're gonna have to somehow work with apophis to get home or yeah something like that too. but then there, so apophis is the enemy but then also now we have the replicator situation. They're also enemies. <laughs> the extra enemy. Yeah. And then we have a real enemy here in Tilk at the moment. Yeah. Which is, I really liked all the layers of enemy in this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Fair. Yeah. So we'll have to see if just zatting Tilk once will turn him not into a brainwashed puppet. Yeah. I don't remember how they get him out of this. So I will be interested yeah. to see yeah. what they do to 
fix that situation. Did you like it? I did. I liked it very much. There was just a whole bunch of stuff that I really enjoyed about it. I like the replicators a lot as a villain. They're super creepy because, you know, as I've said, they're kind of like the Borg, but spiders and... (laughs) (laughs) I like the replicators as a villain. I think they're very creepy and enjoyable. I enjoy Jacob episodes. I am glad we finally are seeing the end of Apophis. I have enjoyed Apophis as a bad guy, but... The constant, oh, Apophis has been killed, but nope, we're going to bring him back again. But then we're not going to talk about him for a bunch of episodes. But then we're going to bring him back again. Like, I am 99.9% sure that that really was the the end for him. So I'm kind of glad that that's finally done with because the constant being like, oh, he's dead, but let's bring him back was yeah. getting a little old there by the end. There were some explosions and, you know, I love a good explosion and that was oh, great. Yeah. As much as I made fun of the braziers, I like fires, so fires are good. Fires are fun. I loved (laughs) Pilk's costume, so even though he was a bad guy, I thought he looked pretty great in that uniform. And pretty much I just liked everything about it. And it was very exciting and interesting and also funny. So when you have exciting and funny combined together, I definitely appreciate that. Hell yeah. Even extra than one or the other on their own. What's next? Next, let me, I didn't pull it up this time early. Let me pull up Netflix here. What do you think that extra pod was? The one person pod? I I can't imagine it's anybody but Tanith. Yeah. I really can't. I think you're probably right. I hadn't thought about it. I hadn't really thought about it at all initially until we were like coming back to talk about it again. Because I remembered initially I had been thinking it was... As I said before, I had been thinking initially that it was probably Tilk or Apophis, but then obviously it's not. And that hadn't really occurred to me until we were starting to talk about it again. I was like, oh, yeah, what was that? Yeah, you're probably I, right. I can't imagine it's anybody else because he's the only one that we cared about that was left on that. I mean, not that we care about him, but, you know. Yeah. Where was Tanith when, like, you know, he'd been ringed up to the ship. Yes, because yeah? he yeah. brought Tilk to Apophis. Right. And because they'd done the whole villain monologuing thing, Tanith probably would have had enough notice of what was going on to realize he needed to escape. So, yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah, I think that's got to be. Next, we're watching Stargate SG-1 Season 5, Episode 2, Threshold. The Netflix says, Teal'c's body has been saved from Apophis' ship, but his mind is still loyal to gold. Not the gold, just gold. (laughs) Braytac arrives, yay! Oh, he's not dead! No! Yay, I didn't think he was dead. No! Those bastards lying to us. I know. He wouldn't go out like a chump like they'd Hell said that he had. No. So Braytac arrives at SGC to assist in, quote, deprogramming Tilk. That is what Netflix says. Okay. The booklet. This is my page flipping music. I like it. It's Thanks. beautiful. The booklet says. Tilk may have been rescued from the evil Apophis, but his mind remains loyal to his old master. Braytac suggests an ancient Jaffa ritual called Malsharan, a process which could bring Tilk back to his senses or end his life. Well, I for sure know that Tilk continues to stay on the show, so I'm going to guess it is the former. Yeah, I feel like Rather that's... than the latter. Just a hunch. Yeah. Agreed. (laughs) 
As always, thanks for listening. If you haven't already done so, please make sure that you subscribe so that you can get our episodes as soon as they come out every Wednesday. Likes and reviews and word of mouth are always very much appreciated to help other people find the show so that we can keep growing the podcast. We love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch with us, please go ahead over to Twitter or Instagram to find us, or you can email us at stargatesing at gmail.com. You can also contact us through our website, which is stargatesing.space. And if you are feeling generous, you can head on over to Patreon dot com slash stargazing and your financial support over there helps to keep our podcast going so we very very much appreciate everyone that decides to join us over there i'm mary i'm kathy and you've been listening to stargazing the end the end woo yay Whew. I have to go dry some laundry. Oh, ooh, good times.